Welcome to Foundations, a podcast from Field Partner. We're an online portal of resources, training materials, courses and coaching for cross-cultural workers at each stage of their journey. This podcast is the home of our biblical teaching, which is an essential foundation for effective cross-cultural work and for following Jesus faithfully. For free courses, blogs, interviews and more, check out our website, fieldpartner.org, and follow us on social media to keep up to date with our latest resources. Hi, this is uh, Ross Patterson. Let me give you a verse and a background as to why I want to share from it. In fact, two verses, Acts 9, 15, 16. Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. But the Lord said to him, that's Ananias, when he was told to go and see Paul, go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So, Paul, who'd been seeking the Lord, having met the Lord on the Damascus Road in Acts 9, um, has for three days been fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. And, And the Lord says, first of all, to Ananias, tell him he's a chosen vessel to bear my name before Gentiles, not to exclude his own people, Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, but we know from Paul's testimony, primarily to Gentiles. Secondly, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I want to suggest to you that it's rather easier to receive the first, he's a chosen vessel of mine, than it is the second, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And I want to approach this in a slightly unusual way, perhaps, but uh, let me uh, give you two facts. Uh, In... November and December of 2006, Selwyn Hughes, in his Every Day with Jesus series, spoke on surprised by God. He uh, gave a number of reasons, a number of ways in which God surprises us. Uh, One was God sometimes answers our prayers by giving us more than we bargained for, Uh, or the manner in which the Holy Spirit brings about the critical experience we call conversion surprises us, or God reveals himself to us at the most unexpected times and the most unexpected places. He gave about uh, eight surprises. Another one is the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another one, the greatest God's greatest ever surprise, his coming to this world in the person of his son. So for two months, Selwyn Hughes um, shared on God's surprises, on being surprised by God. Now, fact number two is there's a... Uh, lovely Methodist church in Singapore. Uh, it actually rejoices in the name of Hinhua Methodist. Don't worry about that. It's a Chinese uh, name. And there's some lovely brothers and sisters in that church. The sister who runs one of the Bible schools here, short-term three months, uh, Singaporeans and other nations. Uh, she worships there. And one of the services that she goes to and others go to is at 8.32 in the morning. Um, You and I can only work out why it's at 8.32 and not 8.30. It could be something to do with people coming late, so they change the time. I don't know. But what they do is they give you a topic, and the topic usually is derived from Selwyn Hughes's teaching. And this was so in this case. And the one they gave me was not an easy one. The one they gave me was... God also sends his surprises through pain. Uh, 
And uh, I spent some time uh, reading Selwyn Hughes's material, praying about that, and I felt I wanted to share with you what God said. Let me start. Uh, I'll come back to the uh, Acts 9 that I mentioned, but let me start with something Selwyn Hughes said at the beginning of that week's teaching. Undoubtedly, the phrase God surprises instinctively brings to mind such wonders as miracles and blessings and amazing last-minute rescues from difficult situations. So, in other words, when we think of God surprising, we're thinking God surprises, we're thinking miracle, we're thinking rescue, we're thinking last-minute deliverance. And I trust that all of us have such testimonies because Dad is good. Our Heavenly Father is good, isn't he? He, he comes in those ways. But, someone you said, there is another side to this matter one that is less attractive but has to be faced nevertheless. God also sends his surprises through pain. Ouch. Do you see what he's saying? When we think of God's surprises, we're thinking of deliverance, of rescue from pain. But someone Hughes said, uh, as part of his message, by no means the whole of his message, God also sends his surprises through pain. Until we're willing, so what you said, to look at this issue, there can be no advancement in the Christian life. Wow. Until we're willing to face this issue, we get stuck in the Christian life. Could it be that some of us are actually stuck because we're not willing to face that sometimes God speaks to us through pain? So when Hughes continues, Oswald Chambers wrote, there can be no progress in the Christian life until we face the fact that life is more tragic than orderly. Oh, wait a minute. There can be no progress in the Christian life until we face the fact that life is more tragic than orderly. Do I hear someone saying, no, I'm a Christian. I got delivered out of that fallen world. Uh, I, all of my life will be orderly, in fact, super orderly. Well, then I need to take you back to what, it, what someone who said before, which is that there's no advancement in the Christian life until we fa face the fact that sometimes, now you set your percentage, 25%, 10%, whatever, sometimes God sends his surprises through pain. Someone who's writes, it's surprising how many Christians refuse to face this fact, and like the ostrich, bury their heads in the sand, but denial, the unwillingness to face reality, gets us nowhere. Chambers, Oswald Chambers, was a realist, a sharp-eyed realist, and deeply aware of the agonizing riddle of a universe in which tragic things take place and where there are no easy answers. There is a percentage of our life which, this side of eternity, there are no easy answers. Let me say it again. There can be no progress in the Christian life until we face the fact that life is more tragic than orderly. Now, uh, that's what they gave me to speak on, this uh, Hinhua Methodist here in Singapore. And I found working through that, battling through that, uh, profitable for me, and I trust it will be for you. So uh, let me take you through the steps that I feel are right there in Scripture. Acts 9, back to Acts 9 where we started. Essentially in Acts 9, three things were communicated to Paul. Uh, uh, number one, 
Verse 5, who are you, Lord? Acts 9, 5, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuted. Fact number one, Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the great high priest. Jesus is the King of kings. Here's Paul persecuting the church, and the Lord says, no, far from persecuting me, Stephen's martyrdom and so on, I am it. I am the Savior. I am your only hope. Secondly, and we just looked at it, verse 15, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles. Secondly, the who, firstly, is Jesus. The what, secondly, is the calling that the Apostle Paul had on his life. In his case, the Apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, if you're not sure on that, read, read Galatians and so on. And thirdly, and this is the point, the third thing was how, how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So the Apostle Paul had the who, which was Jesus, the what, which was his calling, and thirdly, the how, which was the suffering. Suffering and the surprises God gives through, through suffering are an integral part of Paul's calling and of our calling. Paul, if you like, embraced the cross. And there's no way out of that. People uh, these days look at certain things to do with the Chinese church, or oh, revival here, revival there. But dear ones, that church has suffered as much as any church on the face of the earth. How many brothers and sisters to this day have suffered for their faith in Jesus? It is still happening. We, we had information the other day from a very good source of a new clampdown on Christianity in China. It's not as bad as it was 20 years ago for various reasons. The Chinese church, please hear me, it's no good just to say, look how it's grown, revival, etc. If we do not factor in the surprises God has brought to that church through pain, if we do not factor in Acts chapter 6, 7, and 8, that the brightest and the best of the early church, Stephen, was martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in Paul's case, this surprises through pain and suffering. Very clearly in Acts 9, God provides three elements to help him. Acts 9 verse 5, I am Jesus, the presence of the Lord. And how very real that was to Paul. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This wasn't some intellectual transaction that took place. In, in the suffering he was going to endure, in the surprises through pain, Paul met Jesus, and his grace and his presence and his goodness in Paul's life was sufficient for all that he had to endure. So let me just ask, in terms of these three provisions that the Lord gives us to endure the, pain, the surprises of pain, how is your walk with Jesus? How is that personal, individual walk? If you ask me that question, my, my answer is, okay, but these days I really feel I want more of the Lord Jesus. I'm, by the grace of God, not backsliding or anything, but I just want more of Jesus. I want to know his presence more. I want to be able to hear him better. If you don't, then there's something wrong. Number two, the power of the Holy Spirit. Sunday school class, what did Ananias do when he went to see Paul, apart from convey the message I just shared? Answer usually given, he prayed for Paul so that Paul would be able to see 
Verse 17. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. To receive your sight and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. To know the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. How's our walk with the Holy Spirit? I shared with you on the other side, on three hours sleep, I preached in Mandarin for three hours, and God was pleased to use it by his Spirit. Yeah, uh, but I want more of him. I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of his anointing. I want more of his gifts. I trust you do too. I want more of his teaching me about the Word of God, about the Lord Jesus, about my Heavenly Father. More, Lord, more. Not just more experience, but more of that in-depth revelation that he brings that I need. More of that empowering uh, Selwyn Hughes, in the passage I read today on the, the wind of the Spirit, gave six results of the Pentecostal wind of the Spirit in Acts uh, chapter 2. Uh, how the church was brought together, how the church was birthed through Peter's preaching. More of that, Lord, more of the Spirit. So number one was the presence of the Lord. Number two was the power of the Spirit. And number three that Paul had to face was the people of God. Uh, Ananias came to him, verse 17. Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the first thing that Paul heard after his conversion in the dust of the Antioch uh, uh, road was a brother, uh, first communication from Christians anyway, was a brother saying, Brother Saul, you've killed, you've imprisoned, you've plundered Christians, but now you're my brother, you're forgiven. And then it says, Verse 23, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot, verse 24, became known to Saul, and as they watched the gates day and night to kill him, the disciples, his brothers and sisters, took him by, the, by night and let him down through a wall in a large basket. How's your relationship with other believers? So God gives us these three elements, the presence of the Lord, Jesus himself, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the people of God. And we need it to face what we need. Let me suggest these bad surprises, these God's, uh, Jesus surprising us with bad and difficult things. There are four reasons. Number one is personal sin. Uh, sin will bring that result. The obvious uh, example of that is King David, where in 2 Samuel 12 and so on, he uh, sins with uh, Bathsheba, commits adultery and murder. Yes, the Lord forgave him, but the kingdom of David was never the same again. Please do not treat sin lightly, because if we do, in immorality and dishonesty and lack of integrity and so on, it will bring a, a, a deep result. I happen to be early this morning reading something by a dear brother called Francis Frangipan, who described a dream that he had uh, of an Asian brother who was called Purity and Commitment. And it was a dream from the Lord. And he said when he awoke, he understood that purity, holiness, and commitment brought a fragrance that was different from any other fragrance he'd known. Personal sin will bring the opposite. Secondly, the random sin of others. Uh, Paul speaks of... Uh, Others who've caused him trouble, of those who attack him. 
uh, randomly in, in Ephesus or in other places. He warns Timothy at one point, look out for this guy because he's going to hit you. He's going to hammer you if, if, if you don't look out for him. Uh, Paul faced Demas, one of his co-workers, who left him. So secondly, the random sins of others, words spoken in the church, they hurt, don't they, sometimes? Uh, things people say, things people do. A uh, brother came up to me uh, in Europe recently, sat down next to me and uh, said, X tells me that you stole money from him. Uh, <laughs> I must say it was a slightly uh, exotic thing to hear because I wasn't in a position to steal it even if I had, which by the grace of God I didn't, wasn't true. But those things hurt, don't they, when people put out, uh, to say the least, false statements about us. So, firstly, personal sin. Secondly, the random sin of others. And I want to say, thirdly, the systematic opposition to the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians 15.32, I think it is, Paul speaks about the beasts in Ephesus. And Paul's speaking about systematic, hostile, fierce opposition to the Word of God that is satanically driven. Uh, they will bring surprises through pain. And fourthly, the simple fact that we live in a fallen world. Uh, people, no matter how much our faith, people die. Uh, we're not in... In the Garden of Eden, sin has entered our world. It's a fallen world. Paul in Romans 8 speaks of a, 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 a creation crying out for redemption. Not just us, but creation. So we have to face those facts. Personal sin, the random sin of others, systematic opposition to the work of God, and the simple fact that we live in a fallen world. Now, I, I want to suggest to you that when there are surprises through pain, one of two things can happen. Number one, we can be delivered out of it. We can be delivered out of it. That's one possibility. Daniel and his friends, the, the lions, the fiery furnace. Fantastic examples, aren't they? Uh, number two, Peter in prison. The church is praying in Acts 12. The angel flings open the door, smacks Peter and says, wake up, this is real. Uh, Peter's delivered. And James dies at the same time. Number three, Paul in the in the jail in Philippi, uh, singing and worshipping. Wow, what a man. I'm not sure I'd be there because if I'd just been uh, tortured and suffered in the way that he did. But Paul and Silas worshipping the Lord. Open comes the door again through angelic deliverance. The jailer and his family get saved. Fantastic. Deliverance out of it. Uh, there's another example with Paul. Do you know that one in Acts 23 where... Uh, some Jews commit themselves by a vow not to eat again until they've killed Paul. And Paul's nephew goes to the Roman authorities and said, look, uh, he's going to get killed. And the Roman uh, authorities, uh, the, the military leader, has Paul removed in the night. Uh, I often wonder what happened to those who had <laughs> taken a vow that they're not going to eat till they killed him. Uh, they must have got pretty hungry uh, or found an excuse why it didn't apply. But praise God, even through such satanic, if you like, religious vows, God still delivered Paul. But that's number one, deliverance out of. Number two is deliverance in. Deliverance in the midst of. In other words, God does not deliver us out of these surprises through pain. He keeps us in them, but reveals himself to us in a way 
that wouldn't have happened without that. John 16, these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming when whoever kills you will think he offers God's service. This is John 16, verses 1 and 2. These things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I've told you them. So Jesus says, look, times are coming when you will suffer for my name's sake and you won't be supernaturally delivered out of it. And I'm telling you these things now. That's John 16. Again, John 17, the great high priestly prayer, verses 13 to 18. John 17, 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak to you in the world, that, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, to them, the disciples, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. That's why the surprises come, satanic attacks, because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray, John 17, 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. And so on. Jesus says, Father, keep them in the world, protect them in the world, sometimes in the middle of that uh, fierce stuff. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I must be able to know for certain that I'm in God's hands, not in men's. Then everything's become, everything becomes easy, even the severest privation. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who suffered imprisonment and was hanged naked as a Christian leader uh, in Nazi Germany, but what does he say? He says, I must know for certain I'm in God's hands, even in prison, even facing the gallow. Then everything becomes easy, even the severest privation. Otto Debelius, who died in 1967, born in 1880, God does not lead his children around hardship, but leads them straight through hardship. But he leads, capital H, God, he leads, and amidst the hardship, he is nearer to them than ever before. That's the heart of it, dear ones. Why does God allow this? Why does God sometimes not deliver us out of them, like Peter and Paul in prison, but deliver us in them? Because he's nearer to us than ever before. He's to be found in a way that he couldn't be anywhere else. There is a reality. Let me finish by quoting Selwyn Hughes. What do we do when God doesn't heal or respond to our predicament with a demonstration of miraculous power? We look for him to surprise us in another way by finding a secret, secret stare to our soul and coming to us in a way that strengthens us and enables us to go through the difficulties with spiritual poise and par and calm. This is what it means to live by God's surprises. If the surprise doesn't come in one way, it comes in another way. This is what it means to live by God's surprises. In summary, for I must close, let me say this. 
there is something we cannot get any other way in terms of knowing God, in terms of finding him in a deeper place, in terms of lovely expression, isn't it? Finding a secret stairway to our soul and coming to us in a way that strengthens us and enables us to go through the difficulties of spiritual poise and calm. God must come to us sometimes through pain, surprises in pain, to open up this secret stairway, stairway of a deeper, deeper knowledge of him. Let me then go right back to the beginning, this hard reality. There can be no progress in the Christian life until we face the fact that life is more tragic than orderly. In that tragic part, there's stuff to be found we can't find anywhere else. Bless you. May the Lord be with you and strengthen you. And in all our lives, open that secret stairway to our soul to meet him in a new way. Bless you. We hope you found this resource encouraging. Why not subscribe to be notified of our future episodes? You can also check out our sister podcast, simply called Field Partner, featuring inspiring stories from experienced missionaries. Follow us on social media or sign up to our newsletter via the website to stay up to date on our latest resources.